Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. All right, guys, welcome back to Training for Manhood. Dan Panetti with a good friend, Trog Trogden. Uh, welcome. Thank you for having me. That's awesome. Um, we've uh, well, we've known each other for a number of years. I used to um, actually work with your wife. Yes. Right? She's yeah. a, she was a teacher. She's not teaching anymore, though. She, uh, she is, she's part-time. She, okay, Pre-K. part-time. Yeah. Great teacher. She's a great teacher. She's awesome. Um, but uh, you have a, um, a ministry that I wanted our guys to know about um, called Kingdom Focus Coaching. And I, can I, tell you, I love that you put coaching in there. Yeah. Because it is. It's, yeah. Right? When we talk about um, discipleship, I think yes. people like miss the word. Yeah. And so usually when I'm talking to young people, um, usually they're, they're athletes, right? I mean, just, it, it helps. Um, you can do anybody who's, uh, you know, had a coach, right? Piano coach, uh, you know, football coach, it doesn't really matter, right? Sure. We've all had somebody who kind of has walked alongside us, has invested wisdom and experience and knowledge into our lives. And we've, we've paid attention, we've listened, and we've gotten better because we've listened. And it's just like, well, welcome to discipleship. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I like, couldn't have said it better. Yeah, it's just like, that's, <laughs> it's, you, you do it all the time, but you, you know, you do it, um, in a, in a way that, um, Hey, I'm, I'm getting better on the court because of this coach. Right. And it's like, Hey, that's great. I mean, you know, um, you know, Paul writes this to Timothy, right? I mean, yes. physical, physical training has value. Like, Hey, that's great. Yes. Go, go listen to that coach. He's like, but training in godliness, Ooh, not that has value, not only for this life, for, but for eternity. That's right. And so what you're doing, right, is this kingdom-focused coaching, right? Yeah. You're, you're walking alongside people and spiritually helping them, um, in a sense, better their lives, um, getting more in tune with where God is working and, and sure. wanting to do work within them. I'm, I'm, I'm explaining your ministry. No, no, right? <laughs> but you're doing great. You're doing great. Can God, I? Trog's like, am I doing all that? <laughs> Like, it sounds great. Can I do it if I'm that not? Sounds right. Can I get uh, paid to do that? Yeah. Well, to your point, yes. You know, when I think about ministering, um, I want to be a facilitator of what the Holy Spirit is doing in the lives of those we love. Yes. And so I, I don't want to tell them something to do. I want to ask them what they think the Lord would have them do. Oh. There's, there's a verse in Proverbs uh, chapter 20, verse 5. It says, a man's heart is like deep water, mm. but a man of understanding will draw it out. That's right. So what I feel uh, the best thing for, that we can do as disciple makers is to draw out what the Holy Spirit is doing in the lives of the men that we're discipling, and then they'll learn it, and then they'll spend and invest that time they need yeah. to master that concept. You know what's funny? is that That's amazing, because if you think about a great coach doesn't make the player into themselves. Correct. He takes what he has and he makes it into the best player that he can, right? That's what, correct. What, what, what are you bringing to me? Now I can make what you have better. That's right. But my job isn't to make you into Dan or make you into Traws. That's right. right. My job is to make you into whatever God has already planted that seed in there. And I'm, I'm just coming along and watering it and helping it to grow and allowing you to see, right, what God has put in you right. for his glory. That's right. So how did, how did you get into this? Let's start with that. Well, um, Mike Fetchner, you and I share oh, the same goodness, yes. mentor and Mike yep. Fetchner. Yep. Uh, side note, I should probably tell you this. I actually call the process directed discovery. 
Okay. Because we're directing people to discover the Ephesians 2.10 in yeah. their lives. Hey, are all these trademarked? Can I, can I use them? Do I have to give you credit? Every use time them I as you see right? fit. When I say you know, directed uh, discovery, yeah. I have to say uh, trademarked. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. you okay. do not have okay. to give any credit. Um, but yeah, so Mike Fetchner was my mentor as well as you. Yeah. And I, I just found that out when we were talking a month ago. I didn't I know. know that connection. Yeah. Um, that was a crazy time. Oh, man. Did I ever tell you how... Um, Mike came into our life. No. Okay. So I, I, I mean, I've told Mike this. So, sure. so yeah. the, the, okay. Um, I despised Mike Fetchner. Okay. <laughs> First time I've heard that in okay. 20 years. Okay. Yeah. And it's just, um, he was um, kind of everything flash, pomp and circumstance. And, sure. and you know, he, I mean, he came from kind of a, you know, privileged background, um, had a, you know, very successful business, sold it for, you know, whatever. Right. Um, you know, and, and we just kind of that, that, that kid, mm-hmm. right. Came in, God got a hold of his heart yeah. and you just saw this radical transformation, yes. but, but Dan Panetti didn't. So, uh-huh. so Dan, Dan Panetti was focused on the outward appearance, yeah. not the inward heart. Right. Yeah. So I was, I was Samuel. Yeah. Right? I was like, hey, sure. that guy looks good. That guy looks yeah. good. So, so, um, I, I didn't want to have anything to do with Mike Fetchner. Wow. Okay. And then my brother-in-law, right, we were working out together and my brother-in-law decided to invite Mike Fetchner in to our workout time and to disciple us. Okay. But he didn't tell me. <laughs> okay. So, so working out at the gym and one day, right, Mike Fetchner walks into the gym. Now, I think it was the first time Mike Fetchner probably had ever been into a gym. <laughs> probably. But, but he had gone by the Nike apparel store um, and from head to foot was like fully decked out. And I mean, it was like, he walked in, I was like, Oh my goodness. Like, <laughs> you know, one, you're in the right. wrong place. And right. two, you look like you're in the wrong place. Right. right? right. And so I was very, very turned off. Sure. And so I had this kind of, you know, this guard up and, yeah. you know, Hey, you know, he, he's not like me and right. I can't. So it took me a good solid, probably six months wow. of sitting and listening and allowing the Holy Spirit to say, hey, as you said, right, the deep waters, as deep yeah. calls to deep. Yeah. And my heart was just resonating because here's the deal. He loved the Lord. Yes. And you couldn't get past it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you, just, you just couldn't. As much as you didn't like the exterior, yep. the inward heartbeat was just God's heartbeat. Yep. And, well, it, and, and it was just like that, oh, it just grates me. But I was like, man, that's, that's, that is the heartbeat of the Lord. And I loved being in his presence. Yes. And that's what just finally melted kind of the exterior. Yeah. And I was just like, man, and I, just, I fell in love with him just yeah. as a man of God. Well, and that's what I call being a magnet for Christ. Yeah. You know, being somebody that others want to be around, not for yourself, yes. but for the glory of God. Totally. Right? Yeah. And, and that's the way Mike was to me. You know, I mean, he was definitely, uh, he liked style. Yeah. He was definitely a musician. I can't play any instrument. Um, so we wouldn't typically connect. Right. But, man, I saw Christ in him. Yes. Like I had never seen anybody before. Yeah. So essentially, when he said, hey, if you want to walk with Christ, I'll show you how, I was like, yes, yeah. I'm in 100%. Um, and then you get to know his life and his heart and his passion. And, I mean, he did a 40-day fast every year, and uh, he was leading people to Christ. It seemed like every day. I yeah. remember... When, I'm jumping ahead, but when he went down to MD Anderson and got cancer and was fighting the fight, I went down for one day. And, Dan, I think that I prayed for more people with him in one day. And I was in ministry it's at this like, point. And you're like, wait a second, hang on. It, Aren't you the patient here? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I, yes. I promise you, in, in 24 hours, we prayed for more people hmm. uh, than I had in the past year. And I was on staff at a church at that point. And I'm like, wow, but he just exuded Christ. Yes. And, of course, he taught me so many things, but one of the things he taught me was that real men of God actually cry. 
right? They tear up. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that those that don't are callous, but I can tell you my walk with Christ. Mm. The closer I have gotten to the Lord, the more I cry. And as I disciple men, the closer they get to the Lord, the more they cry. Yeah. And that was a mark of Mike Feshner. You know, he was sensitive to yeah. the Holy Spirit. Yep. So. Yeah. Anyway, you asked me, I think, how oh, I got into this, and we're going to go yeah, on a bunch yeah. of tangents. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, you know, it's funny is as I think about though um, men who have made an impact in my life. Yeah, you know, and and you go back, and I I just think that that is a great thing for a man to just sit down every once in a while and say, hey, who are the people that have impacted you? And I think for the most part. I think a lot of young people don't really have anybody who's really touched their heart. Correct. That the people that have, that have influenced them have been people from a distant, um, yes. you know, uh, celebrities or sports people, people that they don't know. Yes. And it's like, who are the people that have touched your heart? Who are the people that have radically changed um, the direction of your life because yes. of what they've spoken into you, because of what they right? And are they, are they God followers? Yes. Right? Because you've got to be very careful about letting people come in and influence you if they're going to influence you in the wrong direction. But, but just, just to even ask that question, right? Yeah. Who, who, in fact, I just, I just wrote a little um, article for something, and I was talking about um, the books that shaped my life. Yes. Like, I yeah. mean, and and they, weren't, they weren't always Christian books, sure. right? There was, there was a, um, a really, really powerful book um, that kind of just opened up my eyes to something I had never seen before and just yeah. kind of radically moved me in a different direction. Um, but it, it's, it's you know, kind of an interesting thing from a man's perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so much in our culture telling us that we need to know everything and we need to be in control of everything. And I'm just like, we're learners. We are. Right? We, we need yeah. to be learning, right? We don't need to know it. If you know everything, you, you don't know anything, right? right? Uh, here's a phrase. You'll learn that I say a lot of phrases. If you stop learning, you stop living. Amen. Right? Amen. And, and I also tell people, hey, we're always being discipled. The question is by who? By whom? That's it. That's totally You're going to be discipled by the music you listen to, yep. the, the yep. athletes you watch, whatever it is, the books you read. In fact, uh, you know George Mueller, I'm sure. Sure. Okay. So I would say that Mike Fetchner has had the biggest impact on my life and my walk with Christ. But for somebody that's not alive through their books, yep. George Mueller. Okay. So mine's William Wilberforce. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I call that, I'm going to throw out a phrase now. Love it. And you can use it if you want. Okay. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll give you credit. I call it historical discipleship. There you go. Love it's, it. it's dead people. Yes. Who do, still disciple. So if, if, if William Wilberforce were alive today, yes. right, I'd be sitting at his feet asking him questions, taking him to lunch, saying, hey, Tell me, right? And Mueller should be Mueller. So. Well, and you know there's a biblical precedent for this, right? Yes. When I think it's uh, Hebrews 11 when he says even even though Abel died by his faith, he still lives. Amen. And I think that's William Wilberforce. I think that's George okay, Mueller. Okay, so go, go one more chapter okay. to Hebrews 12. Yeah. Okay, this is what I've always thought. This is since I was probably in high school. Okay. I read Hebrews 12 where it talks about the great cloud of witnesses. Yeah. And I've always wrestled with the... Uh, well, who are those people? Right. Who are the cloud of witnesses? And I, I really feel like my understanding of that verse, now somebody could call me and email me and say, hey, you're totally wrong, but sure. that's okay. I really believe it's, it's the, um, and I'll say this in the best way, but it's the Dan Panettis of different generations. Yeah. Okay, so it's, it's the, that, it's the yeah. passing on of the baton, right? Well, so, so here's the thing. You, you have, do you have three kids? I have three, yeah. Okay, I have yeah. four, okay. right? So biological kids, right? But they're not always going to follow kind of in, always in my footsteps right. of, of everything I'm going to do. And so sure. I always try to point them to, hey, there's other men and women out yes. there. Um, yes. They're going to think the same way that you do, right? All the different things, right? So I want to raise them. I want to disciple them. I want to train them. But I also yes. want to give them to other people that yes. they say, hey, that's that's guy a guy kind of like me. That's right. right. He's, he's doing business or he's doing law or he's doing medicine or she's doing this, right? right. It's like, that's awesome. So I always thought that Hebrews 12 was 
was that idea of who are the Dan Panettis of the 1700s and the 1600s and the 1500s that have gone on before and and kind of tap into them. And and the reason I say that is because I think they're the great cloud of witnesses. I Mm -hmm. think they're kind of like, hey, watch me. Look what I did. Right. Look what look what it cost me. Right. And Wilberforce, because I love politics. Yeah. Okay. You know, law, politics, and he was a politician, yes. right? Um, you know, member of parliament. And so I just, you know, I've, I've read everything pretty much that he's written, right. seen the movies about him. The movie's um, great, by the way. The movie is great. Amazing Grace. Yeah, it was probably. so well done. Um, but his book is so powerful. If you've never read his book, it's called A Practical Christianity. Um, okay. And it, it's amazing because he's writing to um, England, his country, um, in the um, early 1700s. Okay. Um, and most people would be thinking that, you know, he's working on the abolition of slavery. And okay. most people would think he'd write a book about why slavery was wrong. Sure. But he didn't. Hmm. He wrote to the people and said, here's the deal. If you love God, hmm. then right, your actions will follow your heart. Amen. And he's like, and the reason that our actions don't look anything like God is because you don't have your Bibles open. Hmm. And that's literally wow. a phrase that he has in here. He says, your Bibles sit on the shelves collecting <laughs> dust. And he's so like, good. open them up. And here's the thing. He, he knows this. And, mm-hmm. and you and I know this too, right? As, as you're doing kingdom-focused coaching, right. right? It's not Trog sitting down and talking to a guy. It's the Holy Spirit right. using the words that you have, using the time that you're investing That's right. to change a person's heart. That's right. And so when Wilberforce wrote, he wrote saying, hey, open up the word, yes. right? And let the God of the universe who changes people from the inside out change you. And right. then open up your eyes, look around at the world, and then you'll say, that's oh, right. wait a second. Why are, why are we using an economy built on, right, the labor of others when, yes. when God says give to the laborer what he's due? That's right. Right? Like, if we believe this, we're, we're totally not going to, right? And, it, it was, and he introduced a bill in parliament for 33 years to abolish slavery. And mm. it, it wasn't until, so he got rid of the slave trade, right. just like America did, right, 1708? Right? Yeah. Or 1808, sorry. Um, but then they abolished slavery through legislation, mm. right? And we weren't able to do that. But it was 30, 33 years, introduced the same the faithfulness. bill. faithfulness. Right, the faithfulness, yeah. right. I mean, just an amazing thing. The other thing I love about him is um, he memorized Psalm 119, mm. walking to Parliament every day. That's awesome. He'd, he'd walk to Parliament, and just that simple, sweet yeah. time, he'd fill his mind, right, with the, with the law of God, yes. and he would let that resonate in everything that he did. That's so good. Uh, my discipleship group this morning, um, I meet with a group from North Carolina over Zoom, and, and we were talking about how often— we try to look at the different fruit, and we even look at the passage as, you know, love, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, all these things yep. as different fruits. Right. But it's the fruit. It's the fruit so if we focus, of the Spirit. Exactly. <laughs> so if we focus on the root, yes. being connected to Christ, the, yes. by the, planted by the streams of water, as someone says, yep. then that fruit will automatically and naturally spill out, right? We yep. spill out what we're full of. Amen. So, and that's either good or bad. And so totally. if we're full of Christ and the Holy Spirit— then he's going to come out in everything we think, say, and do. Yeah. But if we're full of the world and of whatever, sports and music, what it doesn't matter what it is, that will spill out as well. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I just think we focus too much you know, on it's the funny. It's um, the root. I can't remember who wrote I think it was a Thomas Brooks um, thing. He was talking about if pride is the root of your life, mm. then the fruit that you bear, even though the world, it may look good, right? So you may sure. be a successful businessman or woman. Yep. Um, but if pride is the root of your life, then pride will be in all the fruit of your life as well. Mm, and so good. everything that you produce will have that essence, right? That seed yeah. of pride in it. Yes. And that's the concept is like from a Christian perspective, right? Which is why you have to get rid of the, the seed of pride. That's right. You got to get rid of the root of pride, right? right? And you've got to replace it with the root of Christ because then everything that you produce in life will have that root, right? That's in good. the fruit that that's you bear. Good. So that's, yeah. that's powerful. Well, we're, 
<laughs> I've heard it said there are no atheists. We all have a God. That's right. And a lot of them are lowercase gods because they're self. So it's either the self yeah. or the Savior, Jesus which, which Christ. Which doesn't make any sense. I, I honestly. Right. I, honestly, right? A guy wakes up in the, you know, at 5 o'clock in the morning, and it's like— Well, I don't. Maybe you do, but I, I don't. Well, of course I do. <laughs> what, what time do you get up? We, Not 5 a.m. <laughs> different goal. But, but, okay, so you, you get up, okay? Yeah. The, the earth is spinning. Right, um, you are on a you know this tiny little planet in the midst of something that's. I mean, have you seen some of the pictures from telescopes? Oh, they're and amazing. Things, oh, okay, and and you think, oh my goodness, right? How how does all this even make sense? Right, right, right. It's just the, the little bit that you and I know blows my mind. It has to be and, a god, and, right? And that person is kind of like, I, I got this all under control. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I, I've got it figured out. I got it. Right, I'm I'm the god of my life, and you're like, okay, so. That, that can't be true. Right. There is obviously something more powerful and bigger than you are. Now, you may not want to know what it is, and right. you may not want to surrender your life to it, but you have to admit there's something else going on here than just you. Right. You know? It, yes. That, I mean, and so— All nature declares its yes. glory. It's just impossible pay, pay to look and go— right? who, who was it that wrote—I um, think it was C.S. Lewis who wrote, if, if, if the stars only came out one night a mm-hmm. year— Yes. Right? We we would all put down everything that we were doing. We'd go outside. We'd look at the stars. But because they're out every night and because you and I live in a city. Yeah, we don't see them. And we don't even see them. We don't even pay attention yeah. to them. If you've been up in Colorado. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or New Mexico or any of the mountains okay, or yeah, yeah. any of it, it right? And you go out at night and you're like, what is that? I mean, yeah. it is it is, It's crazy. mesmerizing, right? Yes. Well, you remind me of Brother Lawrence. Yeah. Who, everything that he did. Everything he did. Uh, but his the beginning of his story was... He sees, I guess it's like fall, right? Uh-huh. Like like yeah. February, yes. and he sees a, a dead tree, yep. and he thinks, "Oh my, this tree's coming to life!" Yes, in a month. Yep. And he fell down on his face and worshipped God. It's so cool, right? Yeah. It's just I practicing love. the presence of God yeah. by Brother Lawrence, right? He, and I'm, Fantastic. One of the, book. He's washing dishes. Yes. And one of the things he's like, as God washes me, yes, right, and makes me clean, right? Here I am washing these dishes, and and here's the thing: the, the temporary washing, right, of the water of the Word, which yeah. I need every day. That's right. But then the one time washing. The blood of Christ, Amen. right? That I right, as you know, as as Peter's just like, well, then wash all of me. And yeah. he's like, hey, dude, hang on, right? We're getting to that. I'm, right. about, I'm about to go to the cross. Don't don't right. jump ahead, right? But the whole the whole idea of right, so much of this world gets on us, and we need yes. to be washed clean of this wor- you know, of the and world. Over. And how do we do that through the Word of God? Yes, but there there has to be that one time washing. Has to be. I, I think it was James McDonald that said. Um, with the Holy Spirit, he said, one filling, many infillings. Oh, that's right? good. It, because we have to be born again. I mean, the, the Word of God is living and active. Yep. But once the Holy Spirit comes into our heart, then he illuminates it, yes. right? Like yes. I've had friends that come to Christ and Muslim backgrounds or whatever, and, and they'll call me and go, man, I've read the Bible before, but did you know this? And yeah. I'm like, because they had read it with totally. their mind's yes. eye, their natural eye. Yeah. But as, as a book of literature, exactly. or as a book of this, or a book of information, or, or even 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 if it's like a, you know people you've heard this before, right? Like you go to IKEA, right, and you want yeah. to put together this furniture from a you know different country that you know doesn't make any sense, right? right? And so you get you know the, the you know the instruction manual, yeah. and I'm like, okay, so here's the deal: the Bible is an instruction manual, yep. but it's so much more than that as well. Yeah, and, and when right, and when the Holy Spirit illuminates to you that it's not just instructions about how to do life, right. it's the essence of what life is. It's yeah. it's the mean it's it's it's, it's a, deeper right. It's an insight into God revealing who He is, yes. and you go, well, that's different. That's different than an instruction manual. Yes, right. Because I know an instruction manual. Instruction right. manuals, you you know, you read them once, you know, put them away. That's right. The Word of God. This is what a pastor um, told me when I was probably like in junior high. He said this. He goes, the um, the Word of God is the only book that reads you while you read it. Oh, I love it. And I'm I always like, 
I don't know if I want to read it then. You know what I mean? like, <laughs> okay. like, uh, that made me think, I'm sorry, I have to say this, but it, it was, uh, and I don't know who said it, but he, he said, the Bible is the only book where the author is present as you read it. Ooh, right? Yes. So kind of similar thought, yeah, right? right? It's reading which you is, as you're reading which it. Is, which is either a positive or a negative. Well, yeah, right? if you're living in sin, it's... <laughs> yes, right? Like if, if you don't know the author or if you're, right. or you're, your idea and your image of the author, right? A lot of people have this idea of, you know, oh, God is a father and, it's yes. like, and they have a bad picture of a father and so they don't want to have anything to do with him. Right. But if your idea of a father is somebody who loves you, right, right who will sacrifice for you, yes. who will lay down his life to protect you, and if he's sitting there watching you read his then book... Then you want to read like, it all the oh, time. Oh, yeah. I, I want, yeah, I want to read right. it because I get into your presence. That's right. That's a great way of looking right. at it. Well, and again, Psalm 16, 11, I believe, says, in his presence is the fullness of joy. Amen. And so one of the things I talk about a lot is, you know, um, a holy addiction, right? Are uh-huh. you wanting to get uh-huh. high from the world standpoint, right. or are you wanting to be with the most high, yeah. Oh, right? Ooh. And, and yeah. Can we use that for a t-shirt? Sure. Yeah, we can t-shirt it up, man. We'll, we'll have about 12 t-shirts when we're done yeah. with this podcast. Um, <laughs> and we'll sound about 12 people. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but no, I do think that's important that's because so cool. if in his presence is the fullness of joy, then why am I trying to find joy apart from him? Yes. Why am I trying to cope with life in different ways? Be, be, because, answer it. Yeah. Answer it. Because, because I control that temporary joy. Correct. You know what I mean? Correct. And if I control that temporary joy, even though I know that joy is going to be fleeting and it's go me. away, it's yeah. still me controlling it. And that's what I, I can't get into, right, the fulfilling, eternal essence of who God is, yes. because then I have to admit, hey, I'm not in control. That's right. That's such a powerful thing. Well, and again, I call it the rice cake. Like, I'm hungry. It, I, I eat it. it. It looks good enough. But, you know, 10 seconds later, I'm like, oh, what did I eat? Yeah. I just ate air. Do you, you remember? Know? You were probably super young when that yeah. happened. When when rice cakes were like oh they were the thing they were the thing yeah I mean yeah. and they you had to put with, peanut butter on it just to make it any kind of sustenance <laughs> you were like you were losing weight eating it it's like right. salary yeah. right you, you burn more you calories, burn more chewing, calories it. chewing it but isn't that's a perfect analogy of the world of, of the world yeah. and, and we're trying to satisfy it's just empty, it's just empty. ourselves yeah. with rice cakes yeah. and we're we're burning more energy wasting time. You know, eating these rice cakes and coping with life yes. in other ways than Christ, who is the sustainer yeah. of life. Hey, if you're, yeah. un- if you're under 30, you need to go Google rice cakes. Yeah. Because yeah. you have no it idea what It was a fad. It was a fad. Yeah, but it lasted a long time. Yeah. What, five, ten years maybe? Yeah. yeah. But I, I just I remember, yeah. like, going to the store and getting some rice cakes yeah. and taking them home and eating them and being like, okay, these are awful. Yeah, they're terrible. They're terrible, <laughs> right? And there were different flavors of them. I don't yeah, know yeah, they were, I mean, but they were, they were terrible. Right. So, yeah, that, that is so fun. But that's, yeah. that's the world, right? It, it is. It, it tries to substitute something uh, cheap and easy for something great and costly. That's right. And we, and we let the world do it. 100%. Right? We, we over buy, and over we again. Buy, right, we buy into it. We feel like we're getting a good deal when what we're really doing, right, is we're, we're giving our lives yes. the most important thing we have, right? Yep. The, the, the essence of who we are to something that's, that's cheap and meaningless. That's right. As opposed to knowing the creator of the universe who says, hey, Trog, I want you to know me. That's right. Right now, now here's the deal. When you, when you if you want to know me, it's going to be on his terms. That's right. That's right. right. And it's it's going to be through his word that's and right. through the power of his son. That's right. But it, but it's out there for you. Yes. So that's right. So okay. So how did we start this question? I don't was, remember. Was this, was this getting into how did you amazing. get into this? We're, yeah, I think you said how did I start? <laughs> how did I start this? Um, this might be a five hour podcast. We're gonna we're gonna pull a Joe Rogan style podcast with like five hours. You're gonna edit it for a long time. Um, well, can I tell you my story because I think it'll give some context. Yes. So, uh, my grandfather was a pastor. Um, 
My dad taught at a Baptist school. I grew up in Bolivar, Missouri, so if anybody knows Southwest Baptist University, the Bearcats, uh, purple and gray there. Um, but it was a small town. Purple and, and gray? Purple and gray, yeah, there's the mm. colors. Interesting, right? Mm, okay. Um, but it works, right? So, <laughs> I, so. I, I'm, purple's my favorite color. Oh, okay. So as, but I don't SB, know about the gray thing. That's just because you're like a bishop, I think, or something, right? <laughs> oh, I have a law background, there you and go. it's yeah. royal. It's the color of royal. kings. No, it is, yes. Yeah. Okay, so back, um, back to oh, purple no. and gray. So purple and gray, SB Bearcats, yep. um, small town. Yep. Small country town in Southwest Missouri. And uh, I remember the communion plate was being passed around. Mm-hmm. I'm five years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, Southern Hills Baptist Church was the name of it. And I started crying. I didn't know why. Mm-hmm. My dad took me in the prayer room, shared the gospel with me. And I don't even remember the words. I just remember my dad saying, the angels are rejoicing in heaven. Yeah. So from that moment on, my life, it was a, it was a Christian life. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying the pastors preach this, but I'll tell you what I took from it. I'm going to heaven. I have my ticket. And so how much fun can I have and still make it to heaven, okay? That's what I heard. I'm not – that is not what the preachers preach. I guarantee it. But as a kid, growing right, up in a small right. town – And, and, you, I, and you, you probably couldn't have said it in those words. No, no. But if, but if I watched Trog for a week, it would yeah. been like, I think, I think Trog has his, uh, you know, fire insurance. Yeah, that would be it. <laughs> so he's just yeah. living however he wants to live. That's right. Gotcha. That's right. And, and, and really, it was uh, – essentially, in my mind, it was what not to do, right? Okay. Yeah, like. Yeah, like yeah. My joke is like, don't cuss, drink, or chew, and don't date girls who do. You know that kind of thing is like what you hear. Of course, that many women didn't chew tobacco, but you know what I mean. It fits. It works. It rhymes. It rhymes. It rhymes. Right. And um, but anyway, so that was my life. Um, went to college yep. at Campbell University, okay. another small town, North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah, they're the camels. They are. Yeah. Good job. I know. Yeah. I, well, I have a Campbell. Uh, do you? Okay, and I had a, um, a cousin, right, kind of a distant cousin, who played baseball because they have an incredible baseball. They program. do. They just had two guys go to the uh, minor leagues last year. Yes. So, um, but yeah, that. So, no, you went to Campbell yeah, University. Campbell University. Yeah, Be- a beautiful place. It is gorgeous. Yes. Uh, I, I looked at uh, Dallas Baptist University. I looked at Baylor. I looked at Mary Harden Baylor, and I went to North Carolina. I was like, North Carolina. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I'm in blue skies. Yes. Um, awesome. Yeah. So, okay. so you're there, and I'm there, and I, same kind of life. Uh-huh. Um, I look back and I see God working in so many ways, mm. but essentially I get my undergrad and then my MBA, and then I came down to Dallas to make a ton of money. Okay. Okay, so uh, two degrees at 23. Um, longer story here, but I came down here. I wanted to be rich, and I thought— Hey, Dallas is the place to Dallas go. Dallas is the place to go. Amen. And I thought the more money I made, the more I can give to God, right? That was that was my mindset. You now, know what? But I've, I've, I've mentioned that to God, too. Well, I, we probably all have. <laughs> I just had to learn. I mean, I, yeah. I would literally go to these business conferences, and then I would get home, and in the King James Version, it says, labor not to be rich, cease from thine own wisdom. And it was like God like would just punch mm. me in the chest, mm. right? And then I'd be like, but... Flip to another page. I know. Can I keep, <laughs> keep reading? And so here's what happened to me, and I'm kind of fast-forwarding, but um, I had to realize that I was worshiping money. Yeah. Now, it yeah. wasn't money itself, but it was what money did for me. Yep. It was my peace, security, yep. comfort, yep. et cetera. You were worshiping you. Right. It, back to self. Amen. And so God had to show me, hey, all that you think money does, that peace, that security, that comfort, am I not that? Yeah. And if I am, and like I'm talking, like God's talking to me kind of thing, if he is, then why am I satisfied with this other thing that can fly away, as the Bible says, right. right? Like it's fleeting. So anyway, that was essentially my journey, but I came down to Dallas Working in business, got plugged into Prestonwood. Now you got to remember, go back to Bolivar, seven thousand people, small town. Campbell, <laughs> even smaller. Yep. Okay. I come yep. to Prestonwood, a little bit Six Flags over Jesus. Yep. Right. We got yep. forty thousand members, and I'm in a church service as big as my hometown. Oh wow! 
And I'm like, I'm not going there. But what happened was Jarrett Stevens, uh, Matt Chandler was doing Monday Night Metro at the time. Um, And then uh, my mentor, Mike Fetchner, who we talked about. Mm. And so what happened was I would come to Monday Night Metro with Mm. my friends uh, that I brought down from North Carolina. And I would cry. Go back to the crying thing. I'd cry. And I thought, man, I can't come back. I'm crying too much. But God was working on my heart. He was ripping out that heart of stone and making it into a heart of flesh and, and tenderizing my soul. And so I remember... My buddies would go out to bars or whatever, and I would stay at home. Now, mind you, college was definitely more of the other, but I would stay at home. And I remember reading, I was on my stairs, and I was reading Applause of Heaven by Max Lucado and and crying again, again. And I'm like, wait a minute, why don't I want to go with my buddies? Why am I on these stairs? Why am I crying? And God just wrecked me. So what I say is when I was 23 or 24, I fell in love with Jesus all over again. There you go. And to be fair— And this time— This time was real. Right. And not that it— wasn't real, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And and essentially, Let's get the theological yeah. point and, and get to the the real point, and that is, it, it was, this time it wasn't about what Trog gets out of it; it's about right. what God has done in your. That's life. right. Yeah, that's right. And awesome. It, it just mm. the Lord just wrecked me, mm. and so from that moment on, it was kind of this. Um, just moment of like, okay, if Jesus is who He says He is, yep. if heaven is real and yep. hell is real, yep. then nothing else matters. No. Nothing. Yeah. And so, essentially, perspective. Per, right, perspective, <laughs> it's like, oh. right? It, it, uh, yeah. It's like the Matrix, red pill or green pill or yeah. whatever. It's like you take the red pill or whatever it is, yes. and you're like, I cannot see anything red pill, else. Red pill or, or blue, blue pill. pill. There yes. it is, blue pill. There yeah. you go. And I think it was C.S. Lewis. He was, Did, he, do you think they made that movie with – because, I mean, it is, it is a very apt description. There, there are <laughs> – once, once you take that pill – yeah. Your whole reality changes. C.S. Lewis says something like that. Yeah. He says, I don't believe in God because I see him, but it's, it's through everything. him how I see, see the everything. world, see everything right. else, right? Yeah. And so um, this, this was my um, journey. Uh, long story short, Jarrett Stevens and these guys uh, really start pouring into me. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just start plugging in. I start, you know, taking a leadership role in singles, uh, Prestonwood classes, and uh, started doing apartment life ministries mm-hmm. and started serving Jesus as much as I could being a business guy until I got to the point where I couldn't be a business guy anymore because all I wanted to do was serve Jesus. Yeah. A longer story there, but um, I didn't have the guts to quit my job, so the Lord had me fired. It was awesome. Best time of my life. I, here, here's another phrase. Rejection is God's protection. I, I, we don't have time okay. for this, but okay. I, but it was an Can amazing I, story. I totally believe that. Yeah, I mean, I've I've gotten fired from three different ministries. Yeah, and and every time God has moved me. Yeah, to to where He wanted me to be. Yep. But but I wouldn't have gotten. You there. wouldn't have gone there. I wouldn't have gone there. I know. I wouldn't have gone. Th- there. Th- this is my story. And God's just like, hey, um, how do I how do I uproot you and move you? And yeah. I'm like, no, no, I, I don't uproot and move. And God's That's like, right. oh yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. yeah. <laughs> Watch this. Well, and and this is yeah. like He loves us enough. Yes. To not let us stay Amen. where we were. Amen. Right? And you know what? If, if you could teach young people that, oh. right? Rejection is God's protection. But oh. the whole idea of, um, I talk to a lot of kids about, you know, where are you going to go to college? And it's yeah. like, oh, I got to go to this college. Like, I'm not, my thing is like, here's the deal. Where does God want you to be? Right. Have you ever thought of that? Right. So when the, the university of whatever that you, you know, you have to go there because sure. your parents went there and sure. all your friends are going there and you get that rejection letter and you're like yeah. devastated and it's like, right. so? Right, right. God closed the door. Move on. He's got another one open for you. And and here's the cool thing, it's it's not that the other one is is better, mm. right? From the world's perspective of better, right? But it's better for you. Yes, and be- it's, because it's where God wants you to be. And it's better. And this goes back to the Ephesians two ten. He prepared good works in advance for us to do. Yes. And it's our job to it's walk in our those job ways. To walk in those. And I think discipleship is helping us, helping others discover Ex- those oh, plans. Oh, right. What do we call that again? 
discipleship. No, right? the, the discovery. Uh, oh, directed discovery. The directive discovery. Di- directed discovery. Like that's that. it. That's exactly and what it is. It's it because you look at Ephesians four, and he says, "What's the job of ministers? It's to equip the saints for the work of ministry." Every member of the body of Christ is a minister, right? We, we may not have collars, we may not have ties, we may not do all that, but we're ministers of the gospel. Amen. And so, um, but yeah, that was that was my journey, and so. The key part is uh, when I was 24 and I met Mike Fetchner, yep. and he discipled me. Yep. And, you know, we talked about him a little bit earlier, but at the end of the day, I mean, I saw a man walking with the Lord. Yep. And, and I told his stories of faith before I had my own. Because when you see, you know, him having these healings of cancer and you see him leading people to Christ and you see him praying and God answering and and you're like, whoa, this yep. is real. Yep. And I remember, you know, we called our Thursday night spiritual whipping, because he walked with Jesus in such a, a beautiful way that we we're like, wow, I can't, like, it's just too much to handle. But the main thing I took away was I would go in with these problems and these thoughts and these ideas, and he would show me how big God was. Yep. I would leave his house every time and go, my problems are small, and God is big. Yep. And that right there was super powerful. Um, but, so to fast forward how I got into discipleship, so he lit me on fire. So, like, I felt like, hey, let's let's go take out with a water pistol. You know what I mean? Like, yep. But I didn't even have a water pistol. And so, um, anyway, a few years later, probably five or six years later, I think it was Josh Raw, if you remember Josh, mm-hmm. um, he shared with me kind of these series of questions. So he poured into me, like, three months. Okay, yeah. so let's, let's do this. Yeah. Let's stop here. Sure. And let's pick up those questions for next week. Love it. All right. Let's do it. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training, the number four, manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man.